to the message this morning. If you guys know, we're in this sermon series on Elijah. Elijah's a cool guy in the um, Old Testament. He's literally one of the greatest prophets, greatest men of God in the Old Testament. The thing that appeals to me most about Elijah, and maybe for you sitting here today when you read the story of Elijah, the most appealing thing is it says that he just started off as a man like you and me, like as a normal human being. God did incredible things in his life. He had this incredibly strong prayer life, and God did miracles, but he starts off as a normal guy from a normal place, just like you and me. So we're going to talk about him this morning, and we're talking about developing our prayer life. Let me tell you guys a story that happened to me about 21 years ago. It's not like God doesn't answer prayers in my life all the time, but this was one that kind of just made an impression on me, just in in what it is to, to really dedicate some time to prayer and how God shows up, and how he answers prayer. And it taught me lessons in life. It changed what was going on in my life, but it actually kind of changed me as well. So 21 years ago, I was, um, I had just been married a couple years, living in California, living in Huntington Beach, California. I had taken on a position as a youth pastor of a small church, but the youth group was real small. The church was small at the time, so they couldn't even pay me. So I was working an outside job, and um, in my job, uh, I was a field service engineer at a uh, mechanical calibration company. Like, I'd go around every day driving all around Southern California. I knew the 405 freeway really well. I wish I didn't because it's terrible. Like, it's like crazy traffic and all that. But I was always on the road going around to different, like, Boeing and McDonnell Douglas and all these big, like, aerospace places. And I was, like, calibrating this machinery that they would use to test the strength of their screws and fasteners and things like that. Anyway, long story short, I had to carry toolboxes with me and I had to drive around all these places every day. I was driving my own vehicle, putting miles on my own car, but as I got into this job, I realized that the other field service engineers, they all got company cars. So one of the things promised to me was, once you get trained, you get a company car and you get to put all the miles on the company car and they actually give you that car for your own, your own personal use as well with a gas card to fill up every single time. So there's all these benefits. And I'm thinking, I'm young, I'm broke, we're newly married, you know, my wife's finishing up school and like a free car and free gas is a really appealing thing. You're 25 years old, anything, right? So I start praying, God, help me to get that car. Help me to get that company car. Here's my prayer life. God, that would be such a blessing for our family. That would be so amazing for me. Don't put miles on the truck. Kanani can drive my truck. I get this company car. This is going to be amazing. So I'm praying, praying, praying. God, let this be like the dream car. So then as like the the weeks go by and the guys at work are telling me about it, they're like, hey, we want to get you that car pretty soon. And what do you want? I'm like, wait, you're asking me? Like, you're not just going to buy, like I get to pick? They're like, yeah, and I'm just going, God, you're answering my prayers. You're so good. You're so, you're so faithful. They're like, what do you want? Anything you want. I'm like, well, I drive an S10, Chevy S10 truck right now, but I would love a brand new S10. So I ask, could I get like a brand new truck to carry the tools and all that? Plus, it would be really cool. Like, I'm 25 years old. I want a truck. I surf, could throw my boards in the back. This is going to be amazing, right? So I'm thinking, could I get a new S10 truck? Yeah, sure, you can get that. I'm like, I can? You can get anything you want. What color? I'm like, really? So I'm all excited. I'm just like, God, you're so good. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been praying. You're faithful to me. You love me. And as the days go on, it's getting closer and closer to the point. They're actually calling to see at the lot, do you have a blue one in stock? Because Carl would like a blue one. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a dream come true. Yes, God, thank you for this prayer being answered. And as I get closer to it, 
They're asking me, what, do you, what kind of you know, bells and whistles do you want it? Do you want all the, the dual climate control? you want all this? I'm like, yes, I want it all. I was so excited. Felt like God was answering my prayers. Listen to this, though. Literally the day before, I was scheduled to go down to the lot with a guy from my company and purchase the brand new truck and drive it off the lot. As I go into work, all fired up, oh, tomorrow we're going to do this thing. Literally, the guy tells me, oh, hey, um, the owner of the company, the boss, uh, he decided to change his mind on getting you that company car, that new truck. And my heart is like dropping. I'm like, no. And I'm like, God, this is, don't do this to me. I've been faithful. I've been praying. I've been bathing this thing in prayer. Like you, you let me pick all the options, the color, like any, like uh, please don't. And, and I'm just waiting to see what they're going to do. And the, the boss goes, well, actually, um, there's another vehicle that's available so apparently, Barb from the front office has a car that she's selling. And I'm thinking, Barb from the front office? She's in her 60s? There's no way she could be driving a vehicle that would be as cool as the new Chevy S10 that I want. Like, I'm just thinking, oh, no, I'm going to get Barb's car, right? And sure enough, rather than me the next day driving down to the new car lot with a brand new truck that looks amazing, that gives me all kind of street cred. I'm like 25, I surf, I have a new truck. Like, would have been amazing. You know what I roll off the, the company parking lot with? An Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme used from Barb in the front office. Needless to say, I was bummed. Like, I was like, God, you let me down. Like you teased me, like I was praying specifically, you said I was going to get this thing, and now I'm driving off with Cutlass Supreme, like great, like everybody's going to look. I'm like 25 years old, and the name of the car gives it away, right? It's not a young mobile. It's not even a Batmobile. It's an Oldsmobile, right? Sedan. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm so bummed. And for a couple months, I'm like taking it, I'm driving around in my sedan, you know, like with my shades on, like trying to look like cool, and it just doesn't, right? And I'm driving around, and literally, this is, this is how my whole perspective on prayer and everything changed, because I'm thinking God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, I got the company car, but I got Barb's car, right? And here's what happens is, a couple months later, my wife gives birth to our first child, our daughter, and... As we go about the whole process of getting the car seat and bringing her home and the crib and the stroller and all that, what I realize is God actually hooked me up with the perfect, most comfortable, plush family car that was going to be the safest for my wife and my child driving around. And if I would have got the truck, I would have been car seat in the middle of a bench seat in the truck, all the gear and stuff in the back exposed to the elements. And I realized, God, you did answer my prayer. But here's what you did, God. You answered my prayer better than the prayer that I prayed for. If I would have got the truck, I would have thought it was cool. But what I got was this killer leather seats, moonroof, like, like dual climate control, airbags everywhere. The greatest, we took that thing on family trips to Palm Springs, to Arizona. We drove it all around and I went, this is the perfect, most safe, most comfortable car for a newborn and a young family. Thank you, God, for being better than me. And in that, I learned something about prayer and like how to pray better prayers and how to have a strong prayer life. How many of you guys could use a miracle like that in your prayer life right now? There's something in some situation where you're going, God, I would love, I'm praying for something. I would love for you to answer even better than I asked for. Well, today we're going to get into how to pray better prayers. I want to talk about developing your prayer life. We're going to go to the, the story of Elijah, this guy in scripture that we've been reading about. All kinds of miracles happen in his life, but here's what it talks about him in, let's go to the New Testament first. Let's go to James, 
which when James is writing the book of James, this is about 900 years after this guy Elijah had lived. So he's writing to us and he's letting us know about the hero, the legend, the guy that Elijah was. He's looking back in time. He's going, man, 900 years ago, this guy is like, he's a hero to us. And here's what he writes about prayer and about Elijah. Listen, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. Elijah was as, as human as we are. Other translations say he was a man just like us. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And I want to focus a little bit on this. We're learning to develop a strong prayer life. The first word I want you to look at in this passage here, it's used twice, is it says the earnest prayer. And it, that Elijah prayed earnestly. The word used in the Greek here is this word energeo. We get the English word energy from. So what it's saying is if you want uh, prayers that are going to pr- produce great power, wonderful results, first of all, it takes energy. In other words, if you're the one praying, it takes effort on your part. Like to have a good prayer life, it isn't as easy as you and I sometimes like we panic, an emergency situation comes up and we just throw out a little Hail Mary prayer. And it's not the kind of prayers that every day we're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, God bless my day. And we just take it like we don't take it that seriously. But what he's saying is, here is if you want the powerful prayer that produces wonderful results and miracles in your life, then you got to put some energy into it. you got to work at it. Anything in life, if you want to get better, it takes effort. It takes energy. you got to put your heart into it. And so we're reading this, and we're realizing that, that you got to actually work at this. So today, I'm going to tell you how to work at developing a strong prayer life. Because Elijah had one. He prayed. He, put, he prayed earnestly, and stuff happened. Here's what, what is the definition of a strong prayer life is. We see it in the life of Elijah. He talked to God. He talked to him often. He relied on him. But the second thing to prayer life that, that you need to know is prayer isn't always just one way. That God talked back to Elijah. That Elijah was speaking and crying out to God in so many circumstances. But God would then speak to him and direct him. And then when Elijah obeyed what he heard in prayer from the Lord, then miracles happened. God, you're telling me this. I'm calling out. Here's my problems. And God, you're speaking. Here's some solutions. And if I act on it, man, then wonderful miracles can happen. Here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes on prayer today, whether they're on that little paper we gave you or you're taking notes on the church app right now. Here's the first thing you need to know about prayer is that prayer changes me or you, like not just our circumstances. Write that down. Prayer, when I learned to develop it in prayer right, it changes me as much as it's going to change my circumstances. It does something for us. How do I know this? Because Elijah, before he came, became a great man of prayer, he started off, the scripture introduces us in 1 Kings 17 as Elijah from Tishbe, or in your Bible, Elijah the Tishbite. And all it says is he's a normal guy from a normal place. But at the end of 1 Kings 17, if you remember that one widow at Zarephath, she goes, now I know that you are a man of God. And the words that come from your mouth speak truth. So here's what happened. In the midst of Elijah starting his journey, and we just see he's a normal guy from a normal place, he learns to develop the strong prayer life, and it didn't only change his circumstances, it changed his identity from being just a guy from a normal place into, now I know you're a man of God. His identity actually changed. So here's what I want you to get at first is that prayer changes me, not just my circumstances. So we're gonna talk about that today. I want you walking out of this room here today learning and understanding that like God can answer my prayers, more dramatic things can actually happen in my life, but it's actually going to upgrade me as well. 
So here's the story of Elijah thus far. Is he was called out to go to King Ahab, who was the king of Israel at the time, but you know he was the most corrupt, evil king that Israel had ever had. And so God tells Elijah, you need to set this guy straight. You need to tell him that I am the real God. I'm the one that's in charge. And what happened was Elijah goes to King Ahab and he calls him out and he goes, you think your God, your false gods of Baal, you think they're in charge, but my God is the one true God. And he doesn't like that you're leading his people astray. So here's what's gonna happen. My God is telling me that the rain is gonna stop falling and you're going into a time of famine and drought. And you guys remember the story? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Is that the whole land went into drought. Elijah had to go into hiding because everybody hated him. He was down at Kareth Brook. If you remember, God provided water. The ravens, the birds came and they fed him with meat and with bread every single day. God provided for his needs. God called him 80 miles away to go move in with the widow of Zarephath and her son. And they're like, we're out of food. And God said, no, I'm going to provide food for you for the remainder of this drought. And miraculously, she never ran out of flour and oil. And then her son died. And you remember this story is Elijah prayed, strong prayer life. He prayed, God, bring this kid back from the dead. And sure enough, the kid resurrected, came back to life. And this incredible stuff happened. Then you remember that the story from last week, Pastor Rob talked about unwavering worship. Then Elijah goes to King Ahab and has another showdown because God tells him to. And he goes, you know what? My God is the one true God. He stopped up all the rain. But not only that, I want to prove to you today that he's the one true God. Why don't you go get all your false prophets of your false gods? Get them all, round them all up. 450 and all the other prophets. You know what? 850. Bring them all together. And we're going to have a challenge right now. You set up the altar and they pray to their false gods. And let's see if he can light that fire with nobody helping. Let's see if he can light the fire on that altar. So 850 prophets all get together, they pray, they sing, they dance, they cut themselves, they do all their stuff, and Elijah goes, where's, where's your God? I thought they had power, where are they? Are they, they, are they off relieving themselves? Is he asleep? What's going on? Where's your gods? And then he goes, let me show you who the one true God is. He sets up his altar, soaks it with water, so there's no way it could light fire, right? And he calls on the name of the one true God, and for sure, fire from heaven comes down, God answers a prayer, everything is burnt up. It's this big showdown. So here's where we pick up the story today. Elijah's kind of on a high. He's kind of like, prayer works. My God is good. I just defeated all these guys. And he goes, you know what? Because those guys failed. Elijah actually has them all killed. He kills off all the false prophets. So now this is where we pick up the story in 1 Kings 18.41. And what we're going to learn today is how to develop a strong prayer life. It says that Elijah now told Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. He prophesies after three and a half years of no rain. He says, God's telling me the rain is coming back. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And as we're going to finish the story later, you're going to see that the miracle showed up. The miracle came because Elijah had this crazy, strong prayer life. So today we're going to talk about the story that brought about the miracle and how we can learn some stuff from Elijah on the miracle that happened and how he could develop a strong prayer life. So get your notes out right now because I'm going to give you five simple things for your prayer life here today, that you can begin to pray. Five qualities of prayer life that we see in Elijah that I think some of us in this room right now, you're going, I go to church, I believe in God, but I've been praying and I don't really see answers. 
I don't know, I'm kind of skeptical, I'm kind of doubtful. Like, I think I'm praying and it seems like it's all good. Where's God? I want to show you some stuff today that maybe you could learn and go, oh, I, I think I've been doing it a little bit wrong. I never tried praying like that before. And I'm praying that today that you would have an increase in the strength and the results in your prayers and that today's message would actually help you as you pray change as a person. So let me give you five things. Here's the first thing about a quality of a strong prayer life. Number one is we need to pray righteous prayers. Write that word down, righteous. That matters a lot. In fact, we get that straight from Scripture, James 5.16. We read that earlier. We talked about the word earnest, but I want to talk about the word righteous. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So first of all, it's got to be an earnest energy. You're taking time to learn how to pray good. But secondly, it says the prayers of a righteous person. Righteousness matters. Now, let's talk about the word righteous, because some of us, when I say the word righteous, you just think that means holy, that means churchy, that means religious, that means people that are closer to God than me. That's not what the word righteous means. The word righteous, in its direct definition, simply means that the thing you're praying about is right with God. That doesn't make you more holy or anything. It just means the request that you're praying for, that God agrees with it. Because sometimes we pray things, and we're in a place right now where I've been praying this, and nothing's happening. God's not answering. It's because God's going, I'm not going to honor that prayer. That doesn't align with my heart. That doesn't align with my character. That's not the nature of who I am. That's not how I do business. Carl, stop praying that. It's, it's a wrong prayer. It's not righteous. It's not right in God's eyes. I mean it like this. Here's a simple explanation. I was once talking to someone that was complaining about their job, complaining about their boss. Anybody you got bad work situations, bad bosses? Anybody? You can relate to this, right? So they're praying. I'm praying about my job. I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. And what are you praying? I'm just praying my boss would die. I'm like... Pretty sure God's not going to answer that prayer request. Why? That's, that doesn't line up or agree with who God is, right? You can pray all you want, but then you're going, God, you're not answering my prayer. And God's going, because I don't agree with that prayer. That doesn't line up with my heart for humanity. That doesn't line up with my will, my nature, my characteristics. But some of us in other areas of our life, we're not praying prayers that line up with God's best for our lives. You want to know the will of God? Because there's a million-dollar question. Well, how do I know? How do I know I'm praying prayers that line up with God and his will? If you want to know the will of God, it is found simply in the word of God. Simplest way to check if your prayers are right before God is, the will of God always lines up with the word of God. So plain and simple, what I'm saying is read your Bible. Get to know your Bible. You get to know your Bible. You get to know the nature of the heart of God. You know God's will for your life. You read other similar stories about different people in the Bible, and you go, God did that. He worked that way for them then I need to not be praying. I need to pray like that. And the book of Proverbs, the wisdom that it gives me, like I need to know the will of God by reading the word of God. Amen? How many of you guys believe that the Bible is actually the word of God? You guys believe that? The rest of you guys try. Pick it up. It's a good book. Best-selling book of all time, by the way. I'm telling you, it's a winner. But read the book. Here's 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Check this out. It says, it corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. That God is actually saying that some of the reason your prayers are not being answered is because they don't even line up with my heart. You're praying wrong. I need you to pray righteous prayers. Here's some way that I learned this recently. 
As my kids are getting older, my 18-year-old son just graduated. I told you guys that. He's, he's on his way off to college to move there in the mainland. My 21-year-old daughter, she's moving to L.A. as well. She's doing modeling, and she's got all this good stuff happening in her life. But as I'm realizing this, all I have is my 11-year-old daughter at home. As I'm realizing, I got two kids that are now growing up. They're young adults. They're moving off to the mainland to live on their own. There's one thing that that makes me feel, one word. You guys know what that word is? Old, exactly. That's the word that I feel. It's like, I th- in my mind, I think I'm 25 years old. Like, I still think I'm young. I still act young. I talk young. I, w- I want to think young and all this stuff. But as soon as I start realizing and I'm going, oh, my gosh, my kids are growing up. They're adults. I'm old. Like, midlife crisis starts coming in or whatever that's all about, right? I need a Harley Davidson. Like, I don't know what that is. I'm not going to go there, but I started getting depressed. I started getting insecure. I started getting bummed out, and I started letting it affect my prayer life, and I started praying, God, here's my prayers. Keep me young, God. Lord, help me to, like, <laughs> keep me young, my mind, my perspective, my body, stay in shape. Like, I just, I, I don't want to get old. I don't like that. It's depressing me. Keep me from thinking old, from being old, from looking old. Like, God, just, like, I just, I'm just, like, praying all these prayers of, like, anti-old age, you know? Like, I'm just praying that, and I'm all depressed about it. And God is basically, he taught me, listen, through his word, he taught me his will. And basically what he showed me is, you're praying wrong, Carl. And this is what, what he gave me. In Genesis 25, 8, I was reading this story about Abraham, the end of Abraham's life. Abraham, the father of all the Jewish nation, right? Here's what he says. Abraham died at a good old age. And I thought, that's a contradiction in terms right there. Old age and good? No, that doesn't work, right? He says, Abraham died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And I'm going, no, old age isn't good. Why, why am I reading this? And then you read in the Bible that Abraham, you know how old he was when he died? 175 years old. How many of you guys feel really young now? You're like, yeah, he's a 175. But here's what God taught me through his word about the prayers I was praying. No, anti-old age, I don't want to get old, I want to reject. Like, Lord, help keep me young, help me think young and all this stuff. And I read that and I realized old age is good. And being an old man full of years is good. And what God taught me about his will was that the older I get, the more wisdom that I have. How many of you guys would agree to that? The older you get, the more you've been around a little while, you've learned some things. The more life experience you have the more scars you have to show for for mistakes and for things that you've learned and lessons along the way. But listen to this. The more relationships that you gather, the more impact you have in people's lives. The more maturity that you have, the more understanding of your faith and me understanding like what life is really all about. The longer I know God, the more years I I live on planet Earth, the more I get to know him and I know my identity and who I'm created to be and I have focus Like when I'm young, I'm like, the whole world's out there. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But now the older I get, I'm like, I know what I'm about. I know who my God is. I got a lot of stories that I can impart to the next generation. And you know what? Getting older is actually pretty cool. And God, I'm going to switch my prayers because they weren't very righteous before. They weren't in line with you. Because through this verse, I realized that I need to embrace my old age, that the older I get, I'm getting better. And a righteous prayer is to pray, God, help me to embrace the older that I get, to see that I'm better, I'm more mature, I've got more to offer, and it's a really good thing to gain more years on planet Earth. Amen? Amen. It's a different perspective, but listen, God is going to change your perspective when you start going, am I praying 
prayers that agree with him? Are they righteous or is it me just praying it? Some of us need to change our prayers. Secondly, we need to pray humble prayers. And not just righteous prayers right before God, but make sure they're humble. Make sure, because here's what Elijah did. It said, after he uh, prophesied, the rain's coming back, he climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, he bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. He took a humble, submitted, surrendered posture before the Lord. In other words, he went up to that mountaintop and he goes, Lord, you said the rain's coming back. You told me to tell the king that, that he's coming back, but I don't know for sure. So I need to pray, but I'm not just going to pray like it's happening. I'm going to pray a humble prayer with my head between my knees because, God, if you don't show up, like none of this will work out. Lord, I need you right now, and it's nothing about me. I got no power. He humbled himself. Here's our problem sometimes. We come into prayer not humble. And none of you guys right now, if I say, are your prayers humble? Everyone would say yes. But there's sometimes an attitude in our hearts when we come before God in prayer, and we're a little bit anti-humble. We're a little bit demanding. We're a little bit prideful. And we're a little bit like, God, you're creator of the universe. I believe in you. You need to do this. You better do this right now, God. I'm going to give you five days. If you don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'll believe in you anymore because you're supposed to be my God. Now, we wouldn't say it outright, but sometimes in our heart, we're a little bit like, well, just God, you need to do this thing for me. And we're not humble to the point that we need to be humble. And humble is, is really coming before God and realizing I got nothing, God, if you don't show up. Lord, and when you show up, I'm going to trust that you're going to do it your way and your timing, and it's not about me. James 5, or chapter 4, verse 6 and 10, two great verses about humility, says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. That some of our prayers are not being answered because they're coming with a little bit of attitude. And God goes, there's a little bit of pride in there. You know what the word says? Oh, I, I oppose proud people. I don't like that. I want to be God, and I want you to be my child. I want you to trust me 100%, humble, surrendered, submitted, that God knows best, and only God can do it. Years ago, my daughter was about seven years old. She got um, appendicitis. And if you guys know appendicitis, you go in for the procedure, appendectomy, they take yours out. I got mine taken out. It was like a one-day deal. You go in there, they knock you out, they do the surgery. By the next morning, you're walking out of there, you're good. And I've had several members of my family get the same deal. My daughter's, though, when she was seven years old, it actually burst and it ruptured inside of her. And the doctors didn't diagnose it. They misdiagnosed it. They didn't catch it. But she couldn't eat anything. She couldn't hold anything down. She got septic. Her whole body was toxic because it got infected with everything inside of her. And literally, she swelled up. And she's a little girl. And her heart's breaking. Like, her eyes are, like, swollen shut. She's just, like, out of it. And they got her into the, the doctors. And we were in the hospital for a week. And it got pretty scary. During this time, we're staying in the hospital. Me and her mom are there. And we're just, like, loving on our daughter. In the middle of the night, listen, this is the real deal. Middle of the night, three days in or something like that. We're sleeping, lights are out, she's all hooked up to the machines, she's getting like fluids in her and all of this stuff. All the machines start going off. And I look at her and she's out and she's just like in pain and all this. Middle of the night, like two in the morning, and I'm freaking out. It's never a good thing when all the machines start screaming at you in a hospital room, right? So I call the nurse. Nurse, I don't know what's going on and everything. I'm waiting for the nurse to come in and go, oh, you know how they do? Oh, no big deal. Oh, it's okay, go back to sleep. Nurse comes in, she looks at everything and she just goes, I'm calling your doctor right now. And she walks out. That is not a good sign if you're in the hospital room for the nurse to panic, tell you, I need to call her doctor right now. It's two in the morning. Something big is going on. 
Immediately, as parents, you guys know the feeling. You're freaking out and you're thinking the worst. The nurse didn't reassure us. She's panicking. She's out of here, calling the doctor in the middle of the night. My baby girl is laying there, not looking good at all. God, is this it? Is this, are you going to take my daughter from me right now? And I'm freaking out. And in the middle of that chaos, I literally got down on my knees. And if you know me, I would never, I'm such a germaphobe, like I would never, like hospitals are disgusting, right? There's people's fluids all over the place. I'm not touching, <laughs> touching anything. I don't know. Every time I walk by one of those like things, I'm like, shh, shh. 10 feet later, oh, there's another one. Shh, shh. I might've got something. I might've got infected. You know, like I'm constantly, I'm in the middle of the night on my face, on my knees, in the hospital room, head down. And I'm calling out to God because God, I got nothing. I got no power. I cannot do a darn thing right now. You have to show up. It was the most humble prayer I've ever prayed in my life. And in the middle of it, God challenged me. I was wrestling with him. This is, I didn't like this moment. To even remember it, I don't like it. God challenged me and he says, what if I don't answer your prayer the way that you're praying? What if I take her home to heaven with me right now? And I'm like, and I wrestled with God for a few minutes there on the hospital floor. I say, God, even if the absolute worst thing happens, you don't answer my prayer, you give me a big fat no, and you take her right now. You're still good, and I'll still serve you. Please don't let that be the case, but I get it, God. That's the most humble prayer of my life. Listen, some of the reason that we're not getting our prayers answered is for coming to prayer to God with attitude. And we need to come to the point where here's Elijah on the mountaintop, head between his knees, face bowed low to the ground, humble prayers. Humble prayer means this, results are up to God. When you pray for whatever it is you're asking for, you're trusting. He might say yes. He might say, not right now because I'm working some other things. You just got to wait, keep hanging on. He might actually say no. Humble prayer means God is still good even if he says no. Amen? That's real humility. Don't give me the false humility. Yeah, well, whatever happens, happens. No. When you really come into it and go, God, you're good. Your way is best. You do whatever you need to do. That's when God has room to blow your mind and do new stuff in your life. Are you guys hearing me here today? Like, it's got to be humble enough to say, I still trust you, even if you say no. You're God. I'm not. So humility is a big part of our prayer life. The third thing is this. Write this down in your notes. That we're to pray specific prayers. Really quickly, the next verse says, he told his servant, go and look out towards the sea. In other words, he told him, hey, the rain's coming back. I'm expecting that it's going to come. It's going to come from that exact direction. Like he knew he was specific in what he was praying for. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and says, I didn't see anything. Let me just tell you this about God. Our God is not random. Therefore, our prayers should not be random. By random, I mean broad and general and vague and like, God, I, I just pray I have a good life. And that's like, that's just so broad and so, so vague. But we should pray specific prayers. Elijah's going, look in that direction. Go over on that hill. Look. The, it, we're looking for rain specifically. We're looking for it to come in that exact direction. There's something to be said for us praying specific prayers that we would be able to identify our needs and like actually vocalize them to God. Not like just, oh, God, I hope I have a good day. But actually share with him, here's what I need for you to do in my life at work. Here's where my heart's really at. God, I'm going to be honest and real with you. I'm worried about this. I'm insecure about this. I'm struggling with this. Like, tell him the specifics in your life because God is a God of the details and he cares about you. Did you know that what matters to you actually matters to God? That God actually cares about the things that you care about? 
he wants to be brought into the details. I have three kids, and I try to have good relationship with them. I try to be the best dad I can be, and I'm not perfect. I'm like you. We make mistakes. We miss opportunities. Sometimes we're just, we, we mess up. But the times in my life when my kids reach out and share the details of what's going on in their life with me, like about like the, the gossip scene about the boyfriends and girlfriends and their other friends, or maybe my, my daughter the other day, she's like, Dad, I love this song. I listen to this every day. Have you heard of this guy before? I'm like, no, I've never heard of that guy. Oh, you need to download this, Dad. Like, this is such a good song. And I'm like, I'm trying to be a part of it. Yes, okay, I'm downloading it right now from iTunes, you know? Like, I want that song. I want to get that. Like, and, and they're sharing with me, like, oh, this is what's going on in my life, and where's, here's my hopes and dreams, and I'm moving to college, and this and that, and my little one's like, Dad, here's what so-and-so said today. She was bossy to me. Like, any Anytime my kids share details and specifics of their life with me, you know what that does for me? That makes me just so proud and happy that my kids are bringing me into the details of their life and that we're connecting personally. Do you understand that your God already knows everything that's going on in your life, but he loves to hear you bring him into the details? Because what matters to you matters to God. And the things that you care about he cares about. And he loves that you would invite him in to details. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give him everything. Bring him into the little stuff, because God wants to be in the little stuff. You pray a specific prayer, God wants to blow your mind to prove, I was listening, and I answered a specific prayer. He loves that, so be specific. Here's the fourth thing. Be persistent. Pray persistent prayers. We read the verse in verse 43 where Elijah said to his servant, go look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. So seven times Elijah told him to go and look. In other words, Elijah is like nonstop. He goes, hey, I'm praying for the miracle to happen. The rain's going to come. Go check it out. You see anything? Nope. Okay, go again. Nope. Go again. Go again. Go again. Seven times. What does that tell us about Elijah and his prayer life? Is it he was persistent. There's a simple verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Here's an easy verse for you to memorize. Never stop praying. Three words. It's a simple verse to memorize, a Bible verse. If you want to start somewhere, I want to start memorizing the Bible. There's two that I recommend. There's John 11.35. Two words. Jesus wept. That's an easy one. You can say, I memorized a verse today. Jesus wept. That's awesome. Two words. Then you build your way up to three words. Here's a good one. Never stop praying praying. You should start to memorize the Bible, but what a good word. Is it the reality of our prayer life is that sometimes God takes longer than we want him to take. Amen? Like some of us are like, man, I just, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. And this verse would tell us what Elijah says is, man, I just, I told the guy to go back seven times. I'm just going to keep on praying. We're going to be persistent. Think about this. What in your life right now have you stopped praying for because you don't think you got an answer from God? What in your life have you stopped praying? You, you guys know. There's things that you've been praying about a long time. I didn't get an answer. It doesn't work. God he's not, doesn't hear me. I don't know what's going on. Unless God has told you to stop praying, unless he's answered with a yes or a no, maybe he's saying right now, just wait a little while. I want you to be persistent. In other words, sometimes God is just going, how bad do you want it? How much do you trust me? Show me where your faith's at. I want you to keep, I want you to push into it. Push into prayer. Be persistent. The word push, you can break it down in P-U-S-H. Write this down. Pray until something happens. P-U-S-H. Push with your prayers. Be persistent. Pray until God shows you otherwise. Because there will be times when he says no or yes, or you've waited long enough, but keep on praying until something happens. What have you been praying for that right now today God's telling you, you need to start praying for that again. 
I just want to know how much you trust me and how bad you want it. So Elijah was persistent. Here's the last thing, super important to building a strong prayer life, is that we would pray expectant prayers. Expectancy. And that's a good one. 1 Kings 18, verse 44 says, finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, hey, I see a little cloud. I've been checking like seven times, and I'm looking for the rain, but, well, here's, let me tell you what I saw. I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Elijah shouted. He goes, that's good enough for me, because he's expectant. Look what he says. Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot, race back home, because if you don't hurry, the rain's going to stop you. Here's what we see happening in this thing. Elijah's persistent. He keeps praying, praying, praying. One little thing happens, a little cloud the size of a man's hand rises. God begins to move, and Elijah's faith grew because he's expected. Because Elijah is anxious. He's fired up. He's expecting his God's going to move. He's living with faith and with boldness and with confidence that God's going to do something. As soon as he sees that little cloud start to rise, that's all it takes for him. And he tells it, hey, you better race back home because the rain is coming. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know in this life. It means that we, we wouldn't, here's what I think in this story. It doesn't say it in the story. But I think if Elijah wasn't praying expectantly, if he didn't have boldness and faith that God was going to move, he might have doubted that little cloud. And if he doubted the little cloud, he might have missed the whole miracle. You guys get what I'm saying? Is that what if he saw the little cloud and he goes, no, that's not it. We're waiting for the rain. That's, there's no way that little cloud is it. And God might have just said, dude, that's where your faith is at? All right, I'm holding back the rain. I don't know for sure. I'm not trying to, to put words into the mouth or, of anything, but I'm thinking that if he lived a life of doubt and he prayed and a little cloud came up and he goes, no way, that's not it. And he gave up. That God might have just said, wow, you're going to miss the miracle then. Think about this in your life. What if you're doubting the little cloud that comes along in your life and you're going to miss the miracle because you're living a life of doubt you're not believing, you're not living expectantly, you're not praying and waiting. Maybe some of us are praying like, well, well, we'll I'm going to pray and wait and see if God can do anything. And that's a life of doubt versus a life of expectant faith that says, I'm waiting to see when God's going to do something and how he's going to do something. That you live a life of boldness and faith, the expectancy. All it took was a little cloud for Elijah to go, that's God. You better get ready. The rain is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You can live in a life of doubt or a life of faith. And it changes your perspective every single day. All day long, you can be like, well, I don't know if God's going to do anything. Oh, we'll see. I'm going to pray. I'm going to see what happens. And you live like that. Or you can live with a faith that says, I'm looking for the little cloud. I'm looking for some type of movement because that's going to start the process because my God is good. He's going to come through. I don't know when he's going to come through or how he's going to come through, but he is going to come through. Listen, I, I heard this quote the other day from Albert Einstein, of all people, right? Albert Einstein speaking to me about faith. Look at what this quote says about Albert Einstein. He said this, that there's only two ways to live your life. He says, one is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Don't you want to be the kind of person that when you pray, you're expecting miracles? That you're the kind of people that you see life through a different set of perspective, God goggles that says, God's on his way, he's moving. I know it's just a little cloud, but he's up to something. He's on the move. The miracle is coming. All I see is a little cloud, but the rain is coming behind that. Amen? Like, tell someone next to you right now, don't doubt the little cloud. Don't doubt the little cloud. It's only this big, but don't doubt the little cloud because the refreshing rain is coming. This is what I mean by that. Don't doubt the relationship you've been praying for with your kids 
when all you got out of your kid the other day was a small thing that was just like, oh, thank you, yeah, the food was good. And you might just go, oh, man, you're so ungrateful. That's all I get. Or you can spin it and go, wow, there's my little cloud. If I take that as a sign that my kid is actually trying to, to reach out and thank me for something, God's going to build on that. And that could be the miracle coming and the restored relationship. You guys get what I'm saying here? Like, oh, there's no, my, my job's never going to change. Nothing's going to happen. And all of a sudden, one little perk happens and someone acknowledges you. And, oh, Carl's really doing a good job over there. And, oh, that's nothing. I need the new position. No, no, no. That's the little cloud. God says the refreshing rain is coming behind that. Don't doubt the little cloud. Amen? So we live expectantly. We pray for miracles. We expect them. And here's how the story turns out is in verse 45, it says, that little cloud, soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly in his chariot, all of his horses. He left for Jezreel to outrun the rain so he'd be safe because, man, the rainstorm actually came in. Then, you think that's the end of the story? The miracle came, the clouds. Wow, his prayer life is so strong. The rain returned after three and a half years. That's amazing. But check this out. Scripture throws in one more verse that you can't skip over because it's crazy. And I read this and I'm like, wait, the miracle happened, end of story. And then it throws in this, listen to this verse. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran faster than the flash. He ran ahead, he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way, miles away to the entrance of Jezreel, right? We don't see that, we're like, oh, praise God, the rain came back, oh, by the way, superpowers, right? And he ran miles faster than a horse, horses and a chariot. And I'm like, wait, hold on. That just happened? And you just threw that in there as like a little final verse in there? You know why that's important to me? Because it goes back to what I said in the very beginning of this sermon, is that when you pray, prayer doesn't just change your circumstances, it changes you. Here's Elijah. All he was praying for was the rain to come back. But because of the display of faith in his life, in trusting God, God goes, I'm not just going to change your circumstances. I'm going to give you an upgrade as well. You now have superpowers, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if it was for that time or what. But really, God wants to change you in the process of building a strong prayer life. He's like, of course, I'm going to answer your prayers and do good stuff. But guess what? I'm going to upgrade you as well. Good stuff's going to happen in your life as well. Listen, that Oldsmobile story where I didn't get the Chevy S10, I got the Oldsmobile instead, it wasn't just a blessing when I understood the circumstances and went, wow, God, you blessed me with an amazing family car for the next couple of years. This is amazing, God. Didn't just change my circumstances. You know what it did for me? Boosted my faith like crazy. That my God answers prayers that I'm not even praying for, better than I prayed for, which allowed me to be a better youth pastor at the time to those kids in that youth group. When I taught on faith, it actually changed me. Is that a good word for today, guys? So let's build that strong prayer life. Let's pray right now. Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we practice what we're here. Lord, we're asking right now in faith, Father God, that you would, you would just bind the words and the heart and what we learned here today. You would just, just get it to stick inside of us. Help our prayer lives to be upgraded. Help us to learn to pray the way that Elijah did, to see the, the, the powerful things happen, the miracles, the amazing, wonderful results, Lord. And not only that, but that it would change us. We actually strengthen our faith in you, Lord. We want you to blow our minds. We're praying that you are a God that can do it. So we ask that right now, Lord. Help increase the capacity of our prayer life. Help us get stronger. And we don't have to be anybody special. Lord, that Elijah was just a normal guy, normal human like us. But because of that prayer life and his faith in you, Lord, you, you did incredible things. You leveled him up. And so, Lord, we're going to be, begin praying like that. I pray right now, if you're someone in this room here today, you came to church, and, and whatever I said here today wasn't really even me saying it, was God speaking to your heart. 
encouraging you to say, you need to check out this God stuff a little bit more seriously. You need to realize that there is a real God in heaven that, that can change and fix your life. And if you begin to talk to him and pray to him, he's going to do stuff in your life too. He's going to upgrade you as well. He can change circumstances. He is a God that's real and God that has power. And if you would like to know him as your Lord and Savior, to walk out of this room today just going, I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean in any way that you're perfect. All it means is you got God on your side now. He has your back. He's going to begin to change you. He's going to begin to upgrade you and help you and, and let you see better perspective in life. And he's not going to condemn you and make you feel bad about yourself. He's actually here to fix what's broken in your life if you let him. But he will never force himself on you, which means that we have to ask. We have to give him permission to come into our lives and to change us. And that's what we're going to pray right now for anybody in the room that says, I want God to change my life. I want to follow him. I want to be a Christian. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but he's going to help me get better. And if you believe in that right now, then you got to tell that to God. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If there's anyone in the room here today, you need to pray that prayer to God. I'm going to pray the words for you out loud. Here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to take the words I say out loud and in your heart right now, quietly in your heart, you take the words I'm saying, you make them your words to God right now. And I guarantee you, he's going to begin to move in your life. He's going to show up. He'll be your God. And stuff's going to happen as you continue to follow him. So if you'd like to ask Jesus into your life right now to become a Christian and to, to follow God and have him on your side, if that's what you want right now, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. If you'd like to pray it with me, as our, our heads are bowed, our eyes are all closed in this room, I just want to ask who it is that I might be praying with this morning. Could you let me know that you're going to pray this with me right now by just lifting your hand? Can you raise your hand right now and just tell me, Pastor Carl, I want to pray this prayer right now. Good, I see a couple hands going up around the room. I see you, I see you. I'm looking up. Just hold them up. I just want to acknowledge you. I want to know who's out there. I see another hand over here, another hand right there, someone in the back right there. Praise God, I see you over there, over here, over here. A couple more. That's good. If you're like watching online right now, you make this your prayer. Maybe you're watching in the courtyard or the family room back there. Don't worry. Someone sees you. God sees you. Would you pray this with me just in your heart as I pray it out loud? Lord, I'm here today and I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow you. I want to take a step of faith that says, God, I'm giving you a shot. I want to see what you can do with my life. Lord, my life's kind of a mess and I don't know how to manage it that well. I need some help. I want you on my side. I want, I want to know that you got me. So, Lord, I'm telling you right now in my heart, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. He went to the cross. He paid the price for my sin. And he rose again from the dead, proving that he was God. He has power over life and death itself, but he also has power over the sin, the mistakes, the guilt, the baggage, my issues that keep me separated from you. So when he died and rose again, if I believe in you right now, Lord, you're saying that you did that for me. And from here on out, I'm a child of God and I'm in your family and you forgive me and you love me and you're going to help me. So, Lord, I'm asking for all of that right now. Change me. Help me become a new creation. Thank you that because of what I'm doing right now, Lord, I'm in the family for eternity. So when I die, I don't have to worry about where I'm going. I know where I'm going, Lord. And that from here on out, you're going to help me in my life. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we praise God for the people that prayed with us this morning?